This is the Post America Podcast. That's right, motherfucker. What the fuck you know about podcasting? This is our shit. Post America. Macho Black, Richie Crutch, Chrissy the Baboon. Post America Podcast, son. Download that shit, motherfucker. What's up, everybody? It's Richie. We're back. Post America podcast. It's been a little while. And today we got we got Dan from Kings Never Die. What's up, Dan? How you doing, Richie? Not bad. Not Everything's bad. great, man. Everything's good. You guys just had some shows all over the weekend, right? Yeah, it's like. We we start we got offered these life of agony gigs but it was like three or four months ago mm-hmm. and we started the tour and we were about three dates in we had like i think six dates kings never die had like six dates and i was also playing guitar for doggy dog during the tour doggy dog was doing the whole tour and we got like i think it was five or six dates we played the first four dates of the of the tour and covid got us uh me and veronica got covid and basically we were stuck up like in like in massachusetts like way like near the new hampshire border and i think the next show was in boston and it got canceled and then the next day the chance got so really they were nice enough that when they rebooked it they included us on another four shows. So, yeah, we just played the first two. Uh, we played Saturday night at the Chance Theater up in Poughkeepsie. And then we played Memorial Day Monday, uh, like a North Jersey show at Debonair. And then uh, this Thursday, I don't know when this is going to air, but this June 2nd, we're playing the Stone Pony. And June 3rd, we're playing Warsaw in Brooklyn. Nice. Staying I mean, active. Yo, how's how's uh the chance? I haven't been there in a minute. How's that place doing? Oh, it's awesome, man. I mean, you know, we played there. The first show that we played, like after COVID, and well, the first show we played was we played one show in Jersey. Uh, but the second show we played, we pl- we opened for sick of it all, the chance back in November uh 21. And that mm. was like one of the first shows that we played, uh, you know, with uh, Danny playing drums, playing new songs that we just had written over, let's say, like, you know, the COVID period. So we op- we opened up for Sick of It All. And it, I believe that was one of the first shows back at the Chance after it reopened. Awesome. But it was a great show. And it was like an honor, obviously, to play with sick of it all uh you know i'm like you know sick of it all is like my all-time favorite band so just to be able to i mean i would have went just to go see them (laughs) so it was a bonus you know but uh but we played that show and then when the life agony run came around we were booked to play that show and it's really become like a like a really good spot for us and you know it was it was i wouldn't say it was sold out but it was definitely packed and uh, and it was a great show, 
you know, the people are great. It's a, it's a, you know, people come from like all over upstate New York and, and go to that club and it, and it's happening. It's hopping. Yeah. That's a good, like uh central location for a lot of uh the smaller cities around there and all of that. It's yeah. Cool. Like people came from like Albany, like Mike Valente and Ray from brick by brick came down and people came from Syracuse, from Buffalo, from Jersey. Like, you know, it, it really is a great spot. Yeah. Yeah. And last time I was there, uh, Nikki, I guess, would be the club manager. Still is. Yeah. Okay. She was showing me these cool, like old contracts from like Ramones and stuff like that, that they have saved, you know, with all the details in them, like their, their riders at the time. It was pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. I'm sure some of those riders were like a little bent out of shape by our standards today, man. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Right. But, uh, I'm a big Ramones guy. So I was, it was cool to, to see that. So that's cool. Yeah. You guys, you guys, uh, you got some stuff coming up. You've been doing some stuff and you, yep. it seems like even what you explained, I know a little bit already, but people at home might not know. You really put a big effort. It, it seems like during the whole COVID break, you guys put it like step the gear up as far as writing and, and recording and stuff like that. It seems anyway, is that, is that what it, went down? It's totally what went down. I mean, the reality is mm-hmm. our first release or ep was uh the razor glass ep and that came out six weeks before covid like it came out the beginning of february and by mid-march everything was shut down so you know we really you know and through help of a lot of people and friends we really uh released that and we were playing like a lot And we had, I think when COVID hit, I think we had like 12 to 14 shows, like runs all over the place that got can't, you know, that got canceled. So really we released this EP uh, and the world shut down. So it really got squashed and it was, you know, it was a shame because, you know, the EP was uh, at least reaction wise, we were like totally floored as to like you know how things picked up and how fast they did and you know we were grateful for the shows we were getting and a lot of people really helped us out like you know drew stone and uh mike valente upstate black and blue uh you know uh even you know all mario all the guys at upstate records like you know they really put a lot of work into it and it was really a shame cortex records in germany you know it was like on the cortex chart for like a I think it was like 10 or 11 weeks and, you know, everything just got stopped. So mm-hmm. when that happened, uh, you know, I was honestly in like a writing tangent and I didn't want to waste it. So we continue, like, I just continued to write, but I knew that we really, you know, we never really had a permanent drummer in the band. So it was also a good time to really get the band, like lock, like get the guys in the band locked down. So, you know, I'd say we used the first eight months of COVID writing and I would send ideas to all the guys. And what do you think? And I, you know, I make my shitty garage band demos that are just horrific, you know, with like toot tat on the, you know, like, what is it? A D A D. I mean, horrible, but 
I was making like these garage band demos of ideas for songs, sending them to the other guys. And then, uh, and then I picked up the phone and I begged Danny Shuler to play with us. <laughs> and it worked out. And it worked out. Yeah. I mean, he'll tell you, like, at first he was like, he even told me, he's like, you know, I, I really don't know. I mean, I, no, I like that one song that you did, you know, before my time, but you know, I really don't know what I want to do. I'm working on my own stuff. And, and I was just like, uh, I mean, I've known Danny for, you know, 30 plus years. I mean, mm -hmm. we toured together when we were like kids, you know, literally kids, 18, 19 years old, like, you know, two months in Europe together, you know, you really get to know people. So, and, and the reality is that, you know, Danny is just an incredible per I mean, you know, I mean, you know, you're good friends with him. He's just an incredible person. So, uh, you know, I wound up managing, we, we arranged to go into like our rehearsal studio. He actually had a place that was in the middle of both of us. And we went into a rehearsal studio and I just started playing them ideas. And I really feel like we just vibed, like it really felt incredible. And I'm a really open person. Like I have an idea for a song. Like I love input, make it better. And Danny is a great songwriter. You know, he's really a great songwriter. And uh, I don't know if people know, but like, you know, the guy is, you know, no, he's had a hand in writing some really good songs, you know, like, yeah, you know, Biohazard's like one of my favorite bands ever, you know, but, uh, you know, so I'm always open to ideas and we just, we just kind of hit it off and we just started to rewrite and, oh, what are you saying there? And, you know, I'm like doing the scratch vocal. It was just me and him in the studio at first. Oh, okay. And yeah, for like, I'd say like two, two to three months we were just jamming like twice a week, me and him really seeing if, you know, like if he really dug it and if it was really working out, but I mean, it really worked out. And, uh, you know, we worked on, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 songs. And we brought Jay Calvin, our bass player in one night, worked on songs. Then Larry came in. And then Dylan came in and then we started rehearsing as a band. And right away we were like, he's like, I got a great studio with an unbelievable drum room. I want to go there and record. And we just booked it and we just started recording a record. And, uh, you know, I got to be honest at first, uh, I was just grateful that we were able to work with such an incredible drummer and such an incredible person. And it just morphed itself into, you know, let's let's really do this right. Let's not rush into anything. Shut down everything. Don't go on social media for, for a year. I don't think I, we posted a thing. So what we did was we really started the band over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but didn't a lot of people? I mean, we were, everybody was out for two years. Like you had to restart. But for yeah. a new band, you know, Rich, like you're starting over. And, and I'm glad. Because what we created, to me, I, you know, I like some of the stuff on the first EP. Like, I, you know, I, I think some of the songs are pretty good. We started playing, uh, I think, like three, three older songs in the set now. But the reality is the new stuff is just a totally different animal. You know, to me, to me, emotionally, you know. 
That's cool. Well, how many songs do you think you uh you you written like complete beginning to end? Everything's like not necessarily recorded them, but during the COVID break, how many songs do you think you 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 got done? I mean, look, this is the thing. No song is done until every guy in the band has put their stamp on it. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I don't know how like Wisdom and Chains, you know, what the chemistry of the writing is, but I know how I like to write. Mm-hmm. And I come up with like an idea for a song and, you know, probably you know, most of our songs really just like come up. Like I originally come up with, let's say, like the idea, like the song Rally we released. You know, I had like kind of the verses, the you know, some like the music and and but like you get in a room with Danny and he's like puts this like, how about this? And, you know. You know, he does. And how about like and we and that's the beautiful thing about creating music is when you're playing with people that you're you're willing to open and say, make it better. And, you know, I'll, you know, flat out without without Danny and Dylan and Larry and like this, like they make everything better. So I, I really look at it like, you know, I'm the guy that comes up with the ideas for the songs and then it's open feeding frenzy. Let's try to make the greatest song we can make. And uh, and I think the other thing is like we love what we're doing. You know, like we love the music. I'm finally playing music that like I really enjoy listening to, uh, you know, and it was the same in 94 with Doggy Dog, like 91, 92. Like we loved each other. Mm-hmm. And you know, I came up with a lot of those ideas, but like they would never be what they turned out to be for the time, you know, for the for the for the period of time, you know, back back then without John and Dave and Sean, like there's no way I don't think we could have created what we created. So so personally, that's like how I like to write. But I would say I went on a tangent and I wrote about 20, 20 to 25 songs. ideas for songs some really like i thought they were put together others were just ideas but man it was so like so much fucking fun to rewrite everything with input you know like i love i love these people and their their opinions and input is always you know, there's a lot of guys that are like, don't touch my baby. Don't touch my song. That's not the way, you know, I'm not like that. And That's cool, man. And then, like you said, getting Danny in the mix. I was lucky enough to uh, experience Danny in the studio once just messing around. We, we recorded some stuff. It's a monster. The guys, the yeah, guys. Yeah. Devastated. And you know, it's like, I'm like, like Richie live. I listen to some of these like little, you know, people like film a little like, holy shit, man. It's like if the drum set is a piece of shit, he sounds great. The snap, you know, he's just it's just like I'm so blessed and grateful that I get to play with somebody that I that is like a real friend. I love him. And he's just, you know, he's one of the best drummers in the world. Like name me six, five better drummers than him. You know, yeah, there is. Yeah, he's serious. And and, uh, and, you know, from our scene. A lot of times mu- being a musician is like secondary, you know, Danny's like a drummer first, 
You know, a yeah. lot of guys play drums because they, they want to be in the band and they, they get pretty good at it or they don't. But Danny's like, yep. A, a, a real musician, a pro. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so, I mean, the fucking guy picks up like a bass and he's like unbelievable, picks up my guitar. How about this? You know, we just wrote this song, Stay True, that literally I came up with the, an idea. It was not even half a song. We were jamming. We happened to be rehearsing that night. It happened to just be me and him that were just like, hey, let's go in and work on some stuff. You know, we do that sometimes. Like We'll work together. And then everybody else comes in, like, for some reason, uh, you know, it simplifies things, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and I like the other guys in the band to hear uh, maybe an idea for a song or, or something, even if it's something we're going to try to do live, like, after it's kind of worked out. You know, it's hard when you're in the room with five guys to, like, sometimes really hone in. But I just said, hey, check this out. And he was like, oh, my God, I got a perfect riff. And he had this this riff and we wound up putting like. Both of our musics, to, like we just morphed it and then I wrote the <laughs> verses. <laughs> I'm like, I got the verses. Yeah. You know, and we actually like we're, we jammed it a few times and we went in the studio. We were like called up Joe at Surefire and we're like, we need. We got to record three songs next week. And we went in the studio, recorded the song. And then when we went to start recording vocals, you know, we do the vocals on our own. Mm -hmm. And when we when we went to start recording vocals, he was like, you're going to fucking hate me. Because he knew that I loved the feel of the verse that I had put together. Uh oh. And he's like. I'm like, hey, man. And literally it was me, him and Dylan in our little closet studio that we record vocals in. And uh, and he ripped off these verses. Like every word, the cadence. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so much better than what I did. Like, you know, and, that, and, and, and that is like, you know, like you search for that your whole life. You know, I mean, look, you're a songwriter, right? Like, yeah. You know, maybe in your band, I think maybe a lot of the ideas start with you. Right. So how awesome is it when you get to like write with people that like just make what you do like I could never, you know, I'm just I'm just not that talented. You know, I have I have I think I have like some decent ideas, but. You know, yeah, things are changing and people, you know, they write and record differently than they used to because, you know, more tools are available. So, but and money, yeah, and, money. and uh, but the kind of the way that we, myself and you, you know, at one time, it's the only way to do it was for people to get together. And, and sometimes yeah. when you get together and you're doing the right thing and it's working out, I always say it's like I'm waiting to levitate. I felt like I almost levitated a couple times throughout my life during rehearsals and practice and writing mm -hmm. but never, never quite. I, th I think it's possible. Like when everything just is perfect, it almost feels like you're about to like levitate when you finally get the song down, right. And every yep. little, little part is like, you know, is, is hitting properly. So yeah, there's like a magic to it. And I could tell that, you know, you're about that. And that's, that's a great feeling. You know, I, I think what that is though, Rich is like, the music that you have written 
or the music that you and your bands have like when you get like it is it is real man it's part of your soul so i said it like you know i did a, i did an interview last week and I, and i said look uh, like of course we would love people to love what we're doing right the mm -hmm. hardest part of of starting a band or starting over whatever you want to call it the hardest part is getting people to to actually go and listen to your music right like that's the challenge but i really feel like since we're just doing what we love with people that we love like we kind of like you know we kind of already won like this is like a blessing that like i still have the like we still have the ability and the love to want to create and write and play live and and we have the ability to do it you know yeah. and and playing these shows that we've been playing i mean we literally had no music out and we played about 15 to 20 shows like we went up to brock the mass we went to east you know we went everywhere like anywhere where somebody would give us a show we went up to albany we played empire underground like we did some shows with Dog Eat Dog where I played in both bands just so that we could get into a city. Mm -hmm. And we did that because we knew that we really need, like, we got to be great live. And, yeah. uh, and you know, we're, we're losing money doing it. Like, but, you know, you, if, if you really love it and you're really doing it for the right reasons, who cares? You know, exactly. like who if you if you loved golf, you wouldn't think I'm losing money by playing golf. You would go play golf because you love it. Right. You know, Absolutely. What I'm saying? now I can see you're a music guy. You know what I'm saying? So what do you prefer more like the writing part, the recording, the production or the live play? Uh, I love the writing and then I love playing live and watching people react to what you wrote. And when you start a band over, when you start from scratch, you know how hard it is to get to the point where people are starting to react to your music. Like they know it. Right. And it's funny, the last two shows we just played, it sounds like no way. Right. But like, even just having the one, like the rally single came out a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago. Right. When we played rally, I'm looking at people and they're singing the word. Like, so already I'm like getting off on the fact that like, even though we only have one song out, you could see a difference. So for me, it's all about like creating the song. Uh, you know, Danny really handles after we go to the studio and we do like the, the, the you know, we record everything live. No click tracks, no nothing. Totally live. Um, I think one song we tried to record to a click track and Danny was like, fuck this. Like, this is just, you know, this ain't real. So. You know, and then after we do that, after we leave the studio, uh, we bought our own Pro Tools rig and and, uh, you know, Schuler has it and he is unbelievable. Like he is an engineer. He's like a producer. He records all the vocals, all the overdubs. He mixes it. So our entire this EP and we have an entire record recorded as well for after this EP already. Like Danny has been the engineer for that. And, and he's really been the guy that's been mixing everything. So I'm really not that involved in it. 
you know, after like we work and do pre-production vocals and we record the vocals, uh, you know, it's really Danny handles everything else. So for me, it's like the writing process and creating it. And then it's like playing live. And, you know, I've never enjoyed playing live more than I do right now. Really? Oh, that's the truth. Yeah. When I I was younger, I used to get freaked out a little bit. You know, like I was like 17 years old when I went to Europe the first time and I was bugged out. Like, how do these people know Mr. President? Like, how do they know? Like, where did they, you know, it was a freaky experience for me. Really freaky. So, and maybe Rich, it's just that like, this is like, I love music and I really appreciate the fact that I'm still able to do it. So I think I really have more of a appreciation for it. You know, like it's, you know, even if, even if people think what we're doing sucks, I love it. And to me, that's the most important thing, right? Yeah. I'm just surprised, you know, like, uh, because, you know, doggy dog was, that was a massive, uh, act at, yeah, you know the road up. runner days and yep. you know but to, to hear that that's a beautiful thing that you're enjoying it actually more now yeah i mean listen before. it's no secret like when doggy dog really started to take like really jump especially in europe uh you know i i was engaged to be married right in the middle of the biohazard tour like the first real bit, you know, like got like when the when the Warren EP came out, we played in the states all the time. We started to travel. We uh, went to Europe and we did shows with like uh, the Bad Brains, the Goats, Big Drill Car, and even then, like I was already engaged to get married. I, you know, like my father, my family owned like a concrete and paving business, and I was kind of like committed already to getting married, having a family. And, you know, I literally, I think during the first dog eat dog tour, like, you know, they flew like roadrunner flew me out to play like three of the 10 shows. Right. So it was a weird situation. And then we recorded all borough Kings and, you know, look, when we signed that deal, like none of us thought, probably we didn't even care but we didn't think that what happened would would have happened you know what i mean you know like i remember being in the lawyer's office and he was like telling us the contract and he was like you know if you sell x amount of records you lose all your publishing and i like i was like laughing like i think we were all laughing like who the hell's going to sell 500 thousand copies you know we were like giggling like yeah. come on man you know i think the biggest mucky pup record that i had done to that point sold like 150,000 and that, that was good that's incredible you're yeah. a fucking thousand people 2000 you know that was good so you know the reality was we did all borrow kings the record came out it didn't set the world on fire at first i had set my wedding date uh, and then all of a sudden after, you know, all of a sudden, boom, doggy dog gets the opportunity to open up for biohazard in Europe. 
which I think part of it was like a little like uh, part of it was like maybe like a thank you, like a repay the favor for when when, you know, when we took Biohazard to Europe in Monkey Pup. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it was it's all kind of the same family. So. You know, the shame was that, you know, like my wedding was April 30th, 1994. And that tour started April 3rd or 4th. And I couldn't go on the tour. Like, I made a commitment to get married, you know. And uh, the fact is, like, you know, I, I, I walked away from something right as it was about to roll. And, you know, part of me regrets it for sure. But the other part of me says, you know what, man? You make a commitment and you honor your commitment. And my commitment was that I was going to get married and have a family. And, uh, you know, snooze, you lose, man. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty wild how it worked out like that. Yeah. Yeah. And and it wasn't like a done thing. It was like, okay. And we were able, thankfully we got Paris Matthew to play guitar for that tour to fill in for me. So Paris did the tour and, but by the time that tour was over, a headlining tour was already being booked and it was kind of like, all right, we got to get. Like, okay, like maybe we'll, you know, Dan's like kind of in the band, but like maybe we'll write. But really, I was getting, you know, it was like phasing out. And, you know, Richie, you think I want, like, I want to hold my, you know, those guys are still my best friends in the world. Like, we're brothers. You know what I mean? Like, we'll always be brothers we did something together. We were friends since we were 14 years old. We did dumb shit together. You know, like you have the guys that are your brothers, like that you came up with. Right. And they like, they're your friends for life. Nothing will change that. And it's the same with, with John, Dave and, and, you know, God rest his soul, Sean, you know, like we were the, we're the best of friends. So obviously there's no regrets there. But how did you stay still connected to music when you did that? Were were you following the bands? Like, were you buying stuff or did you just detach at that time? You know, honestly, from the age of 15, 16, straight up to like, I think I was like 24 years old. So. I was essentially making records, going on tour, playing in bands for like seven, eight years straight. And after after I left Mucky Pup the first time, it was right after we recorded A Boy in a Man's World. And we just had like personal issues, whatever. You know, that's when I got an opportunity to audition for Murphy's Law. And that was when, uh, I guess, Todd Youth, um god rest his soul what a talent man but todd youth was out of the band i got an opportunity to audition and i basically got the gig joined murphy's law and right from you know making a record go on tour make a record from from mucky pup i i did the same thing with murphy's law like immediately touring in the states uh first time murphy's law ever went to europe uh, with and it was with Mark MAD. It was Mark MAD's first tour him and Uta ever did was Murphy's Law, and uh, literally went right back over to Europe with Murphy's Law for like two months. 
So I was in Murphy's Law for like a year or so. And I was really craving like to write and record. And, and we had written a bunch of music and, you know, it just, it really wasn't me. You know, Murphy's Law was like, it was, it's Jimmy. It was Chuck Valley. It was Todd Youth and Doug Beans. And like, it was their band. And it really wasn't me. You know, I, at the time I was absolutely a hundred percent straight edge, uh, never put any drugs or alcohol in my body, uh, after really after I was like 18 years old, you know, I, I just completely, so, you know, the band, it, it wasn't like mine and I was craving something that was mine and Mucky Pup needed to make another record. And, you know, John Milnes, the drummer of Mucky Pup, is my best friend in the world since I'm 14 years old. So I went back and did the Now record, booked the tour, toured the States, went back to Europe. That's when we grew up Biohazard. And really after that, I, I felt like I was cooked. You know what I mean? I thought that was going to be the end for me. I was just so cooked. And it was like, you know, seven, eight years straight of nonstop. And, you know, I just, you know, hooked up with my buddies with, you know, John and Dave and Sean. Uh, Sean actually replaced me in Mucky Pup as the guitar player when I had left. Dave Niebuhr was the bass player of Mucky Pup. You know, when I went back and did the Now album, you know, they were out. So um, it was natural for me to just jam with them. And Doggy Dog was really just supposed to be a bunch of friends, um, you know, a bunch of friends just playing, you know, writing and playing some music together. We never really I never really thought that it would become much more than that. So. You know. I think at the time I was just I was just a little burnt. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah, totally. Yo, I can ask you and, something. You're bringing up Mucky Pup and. uh there was always that legendary story of uh, I used to go to shows at the airport music hall in Allentown. Yeah. And like there's shitload. And I heard that the, uh, the song about the, the, the Walkman getting broken by the skinhead. Yeah. yeah. Was, was that from, uh, something that happened at the airport music hall? Yeah. Allentown? Yeah. I believe so. Now that, that song was on the fourth monkey pup record act of faith. And, uh, that record, I didn't write Skinheads uh, Broke My Walkman. Chris Milnes wrote wrote that song, I believe. Um, and I believe that is like, you know, a lot of that shit was like true stories like Batman, the Butt Ripper. I swear to God, that is a true story. That wow. is not, you know, that was like, <laughs> that was like, you know, like we were young kids. And when you're young, like, you know. I was totally influenced by the dead Kennedys and the, and, and, and the chili peppers and Murphy's law. Like, you know, music is kind of what you're influenced by and who, and so that satire type writing was all over that stuff. Mm. And, uh, that's actually a cool song. I dig that. Chris wrote, you know, that's, you know, it's pretty, pretty cool song again for the time. You know, were you, time. were you a witness to what happened then? Or no, 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 okay. no, I don't think I was there. I don't think I was there because after we did the now record and we did the tours for it, I immediately was like, you know, had already said like, look, I'm, I'm done after this, yeah. you know? So I was just jamming with, 
with my buddies. We wound up calling it dog eat dog. You know, even that, like originally when we started like rehearsing, you know, like Booge would come down and play drums. You know, John Milnes, the drummer, like it, it was it was like a family. You know, it was like uh, we had like our own intertwined crew. So it was natural. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I do believe that that is absolutely from the airport musical. Yeah, I always heard that story as as uh, as a PA guy. And I always wondered if it was true. That was a wild place. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, how how did it come the uh, the relationship with Roadrunner Records for Doggy Dog? Howie Abrams, man. Period. Period. Beautiful. Wow. I mean, uh, uh, and Billy Billy Grazi Day. Oh yeah. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, you know, Doggy Dog was like you know when I started playing with them, they had a few songs already written. They had like uh, a really fast version of Funnel King. They had, um, they had, you know, I, I forget exact. Oh, strip song. They had a version of strip song. Like they were already writing some songs. They actually called themselves F Troop, and I, I know I was like, no, that's not going to be the name of the band, you know, whatever. So we settled on, you know, Dog Eat Dog because it's an ACDC song, and Sean Kilkenny, you know, biggest ACDC fan on the planet, mm. like knew knew how to play every single song. And every single mock solo, like, so Dog Eat Dog was the name of the band. And um, we literally went in and we and, and we started right. You know, I was at the point also where I was like, I want I don't want to write funny songs anymore. Mm. Like and I was massively influenced and into, you know, Born to Expire. Just look around. When I heard Just Look Around, it changed like everything in my life musically. Like you can hear the groove. And I was big into hip hop, especially mm -hmm. Ice Cube. Like love fucking I Ice Cube to me is like the greatest rap artist in the history of the world. You know, to me, to me, America's most wanted death certificate were like, you know, and and I I really wanted, you know, I was like getting influenced by other things and really was into like wanting to get in the pocket and a beat more of like a beat involved in the music and it was like the perfect timing you know and leeway and you know so many other bands that just blew my brains out like you know before 89 90 91 i was totally influenced by the dead kennedys the doors uh you know I learned how to play guitar to, to, to Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. I'd play the rhythms. My neighbor was like a solo player. He played the solos. Uh, you awesome. know what I mean? You know, Red Hot Chili, Uplift Mofo Party Plant. You know, back back then it was like, you know, uh, Anthrax was like, you know, a local band that played at Lemoore. We would go see Anthrax at Lemoore. Our buddies had a band called Hades. And the, and the bass player on Can't You Take a Joke is Scott LePage, who was the guitar player for Hades. And, and Dan Lorenzo was, you know, we, we were, they were friends of ours. So, you know, I look at it like Can't You Take a Joke is kind of like funny, but like thrash. You know, it was like what we were listening to. And then A Boy in a Man's World. And now we're a little bit funk, you know, a little bit like off. The, like we weren't afraid to do whatever we wanted to do musically. And that's one thing that that I think some people have gotten away from. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, 
you know, we, we didn't want to be stuck in like one genre because we were being exposed to so many different types of music. And we were 16, 17 year old kids, you know, doggy dog, absolutely influenced by hip hop and leeway. Like, you know, there's no way to like dispute it. We were, you know, fucking most influential record. How many bands did, did born to expire influence? Like, let's be honest. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? How many bands did just look around for me? When I heard boom, 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 that was it. It was over. I was like sick of it all. Favorite band in the world. Every single record I could tell you fucking song after, you know, I'm just, you know, like to me, it moved me. And, and, and that changed the way that I, that I wrote and the guys that, you know, the guys that, that I was playing with, uh, everything that we were influenced in showed in the music, you know, John Connor, uh, you know, hip hop is a big influence on them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We, but, but we had more of like that raw, you know, hardcore metal type tone, uh, you know, Warrant and All Borough Kings. That, those are the only records I was involved in playing, writing, you know, whatever. Uh, after that, obviously, I have nothing, you know, I have nothing to do with any records that they did after that. But, yeah, and it's, it's kind of like... Uh... Doggy Dog at the time was kind of like the turnstile of the time. Is that is that? What do you think? Uh, yeah. A fair comparison or no? Because it's like multi, you know, multi styles, and uh, yeah, I, they were hitting I, I hitting real that. big, getting some cool opportunities uh, that uh, you know, that were real new to 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 the scene. I'd say it's, that's how it looked from the outside yeah, I mean, looking in, anyway. You know, they did that when they got back from Europe. They did that, you know, that that Mad Ball downset, Doggy Dog tour you know that was like unbelievable you know but it was more like you know i still say the favorite my favorite show i've ever played in my life is at the academy theater when doggy dog opened up for biohazard yeah it was it it um it absolutely was the most shocking experience of my life because our our warrant ep came out literally seven days before that show and we had no idea like what was going to happen at the show but when we got to the academy theater we were originally supposed to be the opener and this band maybe you heard of them clutch yeah was supposed to go on second and then obviously biohazard onyx the whole thing and when we got to the club the promoters told clutch you're going to go on first Mm. And there was like, it was definitely like, a, I think a little bit of an issue at the time, you know, clutch was like a new band, but I think they just signed to like Atlantic records. Like, you know, they had a much bigger deal than us, but, uh, you know, they used to have the old curtain there, you know, like you remember when shows used to have venues used to have a curtain. Yeah. And it was so cool. Like, you know, and the place was absolutely packed. And I remember, like, we used to open up with It's Like That, with the banjo. And he started playing the banjo, and the curtain opened, and I looked next to me. I, you know, never forget it. Like, you know, Lou Cole was standing next to me, you know, and he didn't know who the fuck I was and, 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 you know, whatever. But I, I, I just, like, he just happened. I looked, and I turned around, 
and the curtain was open and we hit the first chord and it was like the reaction was just incredible like mm, beautiful absolute thing. melee like and and it was shocking because you know we had played you know in jersey the old studio one you know we would draw pretty good maybe up to that point uh we played you know the pipeline i mean i've heard you talk about the pipeline studio one I mean, Definitely, those places yeah. are they're like our you know we'd be nothing without the pipeline nothing without studio one like we cut our teeth playing shows there, you know, and now we played our first real big show and it was just, it was just beautiful, man. And, and right then I was like, Oh my God, maybe we got something here. You know? <laughs> yeah. Now with, with you, you know, you had such like a success, cool opportunity, the, the label, the big label. Momentum. Yeah, the Howie Abrams thing. I, I, I apologize. But basically what happened was, we made the first demo and Billy, uh, Billy Grazia day, who was obviously from, you know, I, we, we had toured together, uh, in Europe, uh, with, you know, on that monkey pup biohazard thing. And we gave the, the, the demo to Billy and Billy went back over to Europe and gave the doggy dog demo to the people in the Germany office, I believe at Roadrunner mm. and said, check this band out. And then, and, and Billy's famous for that. Like Billy is, you know, he's a guy that like is always willing to help people out. Right. Like, uh, you know, as far as I know, like, you know, through the course of time. So really unset, like, Hey, check this band out. The, the, uh, the Germany office called up the New York office and Howie Abrams had just, um, had just started working there in A&R and, I think they, you know, they basically told Howie, hey, go check this band out, Dog Eat Dog. And then, you know, I mean, I knew who Howie was, uh, obviously, you know, from, uh, 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 Jesus Christ, uh, in effect, records, of course. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, I knew who Howie was. And he came to see us play, and he was like, you guys want to make a record, you know, on Roadrunner? And I don't even... I don't even think we blinked. I think it was like, yes, we'll do it. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I mean, that, that was a was powerhouse like, label. Abrams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had the name and that label was just a powerhouse. I would buy anything that Roadrunner put out at the time, you know, at, at the time. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, they, and then after that, they, you know, they, they had signed uh, a mad ball and, and fucking, it, it was just like a, a steam, like a steamroller. Yeah. And, you know, we put our little EP out. And, uh, you know, immediately, like it just, it just felt right. And you know, one thing though, I, I remember buying, uh, I was excited. Okay. Another Roadrunner release. And I bought, uh, fuck, what's the name of the, the uh, that one band? Black Train Jack. Black Train Jack. Yeah. Signed. And I was yeah, like, totally ah, I didn't like that. Yeah. I was like, I didn't like, like Roadrunner let me down for that release. Not to this, but it just was well, not my style. I was expecting, you know more par for the course of roadrunner style stuff and uh you know because back then you weren't listening to something on the internet before it even came out and you had and i you know, i just didn't know i saw the cover and i saw the label i said let me give this one a shot so that was the one disappointment i had back then with the uh, roadrunner <laughs> but but isn't that the thing about roadrunner was that they would sign like howie especially is a is a music lover yeah and 
they had no limitations. You know, they also had typo negative, who was nothing like dog eat dog or Madball. They also, you know, and dog eat dog, you know, is not in the same platosphere in terms of being like a like true hardcore band like Madball. And they, they had also Sepultura back then. Fear Factor and Sepultura was like, yeah. to me, that was like death metal. Yeah. You know, that was borderline on can I read the logo or not? You know what I mean? Like, huh? Yeah. And Typo, that's one of my favorite all-time bands ever. I love that shit. Incredible. Yeah. But all those Roadrunner bands, nobody was the same. And that yeah. is, to me, Life of genius. Agony came out. Life of uh, Agony. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that is the genius of Howie Abrams. He is not, you know, he has never been put in the box. I got to get Howie, uh, Howie Abrams on. I talked to him uh, about doing this. Got to get him on. Talk about yeah. some, some stuff. That'd I be mean, good. That guy, he'll give you a history lesson. You know what I mean? That's and the beautiful. thing I love about Howie is even today, like I'll send him some stuff like uh, the early Kings Never Die stuff. I sent it to him and he was like, eh, I don't know, you know, like it's, you know, Jeez, like Howie. he just loosen up, baby. Up. Come on. I love that. I love that. You need people around you to tell you the truth. No, I, I don't want to hear that. You got to tell me how great it is. <laughs> That's all I want to hear. You know, I sent him like the newer stuff we did and, 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 and he was way more, you know, like, Hey man, I really like this song that, you know, so I, I, you know, there's always people that in your life, like you view their opinion. I did the same thing with you. Like I, I value your opinion. I was like sending you stuff, like, tell me what you think. You know what I mean? Because. Yeah. It's good to bounce stuff off with other, other, you know, musicians or whatever, you know, definitely. Yeah especially people that you you love what they have done, whether they're a songwriter, whether they're in a band, whether they're in the industry. Uh, I did the same thing with Monty Connor. You know, I sent Monty Connor the record and, you know, he, he loved it. You know, Monty works at Nuclear Blast now, but let's face it, like Nuclear Blast can't sign Kings Never Die right now because, you know, like they need probably guaranteed 2 million downloads. You know what I mean? Like, mm, especially yeah. during the COVID thing. But like, I really appreciated the feedback, especially because it was positive, but like, I, I appreciated the feedback because there's more than that, you know, like these are people that'll go in depth and tell you or ask questions and, and, uh, you know? Yeah. Cause like you said, it's hard. The one thing about doing any, anything new is just trying to get people to listen in the first place. You know, it's, it is hard. Yeah. It's, it's it's a different it's project. They might like your old stuff and they just, they assume whatever. And, and yeah. just at this time, anyway, there's so much stuff coming out constantly. There's yeah. some seriously great albums that get overlooked great. and it just, it's over before it starts because there's three other things out the week after and it just gets yeah. buried, you know, it's so saturated. Yeah, and, it is. And, and the hardest part is just being, and the other thing with us at least is that like, we're not going to like pour ourselves out. Like it, you're not going to see, at, you know, at least by our hand, like we're not out being like, Hey, you know, it's Danny Schuler from biohazard and this guy from this and Larry, the hunter from, you know, played in Murphy's law forever. You know, he's a PA guy, you know, Larry's Larry is the guy from, from PA that everybody always talks about. I hear on the podcast, like, yeah, that was the guy from PA that was in Murphy's Law for like 10 years. You know, that's part of PA is he from? Larry's originally from. Okay, I got to get this right. Scranton. Oh, oh no Scranton. way. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, Larry still has a piece of property up in PA every other weekend. He's like, I'm going to the hat. Like, he's up in PA hunting, fishing, fucking, you know, Larry's like. It's the, it's the fatherland, we call it. Hell yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, that's like part of his life is growing up in PA, loves nature. You know, they don't call him Larry the Hunter for nothing. Yeah. Now, are you going to make him cut his hair to stay in the band or no? <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Tell him to cut that. I just cut my hair. I just cut my hair. Yesterday. Yeah, you never had long hair like that, though. He's got to get like hippie hair and shit. Can't have that. Come on. Larry, what are you doing? Hey. Yeah. Everybody's got to be themselves. You know I'm, I mean? always an- I'm always anti-metal look, metal or hippie stuff, you know, so. It's just I see Freddie with the long hair now. Come on, Freddie. All right. Get, get rid uh, of that. I'll, I'll relay the message. I'll, I'll tell... Uh, we want a crew cut. He'll hear this. <laughs> Especially if he's a Scranton guy. We want like old school crew cut. Well, listen, Larry is what, like an absolute fucking original, man. He is his own person. And again, like I said it before, you want to talk about like surrounding yourself with great people and our, you know, Dylan Gordino, our singer, who I, I'm like, really the guy has worked so hard to, to really find, I believe to find himself. <clears throat> and a lot of that was in recording this record. And a lot of it was Danny, you know, Danny was like, we're going to like put Dylan through boot camp in terms of vocals, what he's capable of doing, you know, maybe some stuff that he's not capable of doing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But like, um, you know, Kings Never Die is like just a bunch of guys that just love what they're doing and really enjoy being a, and and everybody is has the work ethic. Everybody wants to you know really put their best foot and step forward. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And nobody does that if they don't really enjoy what they're doing. So, you know, and, for and that that's something that's something you should be very happy for because it's very hard to keep people you know, multiple people, adults focused and interested. And, you know, and when you have that, it is, it's, it's, it's a magical thing, man. You got to love it, man. Oh, yeah. listen, by the way, just again, got to say, uh, congratulations, uh, to you and Brandy. Like, you know, the, the baby is like beautiful. Oh, how, thank you. Thank you. How are you enjoying fatherhood? It it's looks good. like uh, you love it. It's good, but I, I mind my business. You know, when a kid's older, could talk, then I'll introduce myself. For now, it's kind of the, the mother's <laughs> job. You know what I mean? Shit, yeah. I mean, the baby could, sees me here and there throughout the house. I'm, it's not like I'm not around, but, you yeah. know, when she could talk, I'll say, okay, by the way, I'm your father. And, uh, you know, we've been living together and, now for when did they start and, talking? Three, four, five? No. They start talking in like a year and a half. A year and a half. Oh, yeah. Man. That baby's going to be walking at nine months. I thought I had like five years to do my own no, thing. No, you don't. It starts slow. I mean, listen, I feel, you know, my baby, my my youngest is my daughter. Mm-hmm. And it is a different relationship than a, like a father has with his sons. You know what I mean? I mean, I love my kids to death and I'm so, uh, I'm, I'm so blessed. Like uh, everybody's healthy. You know what I mean? We've had no no major, major issues, you know, no substance problems. Like, you know, parenting is scary shit, but Mm -hmm. like 
the relationship I have with my daughter is like really special, you know, and she's my youngest, you know, and she just graduated college two weeks wow, ago. Wow. Beautiful. Just graduated. How many you have? Three. Three. Okay. Three. Yeah. Yeah. My oldest son, Anthony's 27. He lives up in uh, Boston. Anthony. Anthony. Yeah. He's named after my dad. Okay, and then uh, my younger son, Duke, his real name is Daniel. It's my name. My wife pulled that one. I had nothing to do with that. She named him Daniel. So we, we, we've called him Duke since he's a baby. Duke, he's that's hard. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's 25. I'm sorry. And my daughter's 22. She just graduated. They all graduated college. And, uh, you know. Any any music lovers in the mix or what? Nope. They, I, by all accounts, I think they make, like, they literally have zero interest. Wow, that's crazy, right? <laughs> and my, my younger son, my younger son, Duke, like I was showing him how to play guitar once. Like, you know, I have I've always had like guitars around always. I mean, I've, I've never stopped playing guitar. There's never been a period in my life where I didn't play guitar for like a year. So, never. Mm-hmm. Right. So always have that acoustic guitar that I write on uh, sitting in the house. And I'm telling you, man, he could play guitar. I showed him like a bar chord, how to hold the pen. And, he was immediately, he could have easily played guitar. But my sons, you know, they were like uh, football junkies. Like oh, okay. me. Yeah. Both my sons played, you know, high school football, college football. What position you play? Uh, I didn't play any position. I coach. Oh, did you, I, you didn't I, play like when you were younger? I played when I was younger and I cracked my knee. I literally fractured my kneecap. Oh, shit. Uh, entering like in my eighth grade year. I, uh, I legitimately like fracture, broke the bone, the, you know, the, like the, where the patella holds in like your kneecap. And, and that's how I started playing guitar. Cause I was in one of those like leg immobilizers. And back then they just put you in a straight leg. Like there's nothing they could do. So I, you know, I got a, a guitar when I was down and I started playing guitar and I never really played sports again, but when my kids started, you know, playing youth football, second grade, uh, I just, you know, I got involved with coaching and I just became like an absolute football junkie, like, a, a you know, the game, the, the chess match, the X's and O's, especially offensively. And uh, and I wound it, up, you know, it is a great game. Who Who's your team? The Giants? I'm a fucking Jets fan. Ah. Yeah. I don't, I don't watch a lot of NFL football. I, I, you know, to me, it's like quarterbacks don't even get hit. You know, it's, it's about the show a little bit more. I mean, I pure football is like college football, you know, mm-hmm. like watch like Penn's like watch a college football game. And to me, I'd much rather watch a college or a, even a high school football game than watch the NFL. But I've been a Jets fan for, you know, since Bill Parcells went to the Jets. And they drafted Keyshawn Johnson. So oh, I remember that been, time. Yeah. There was yeah, hope. Just, there was hope for a little while. Fuck yeah, there was hope. Yeah. They went to the AFC, you know, they had Vinny Testaverde. I mean, you know, that was a great time. And then, you know, with Rex Ryan, seemed like it was going to be, they should have just stuck with him. Yeah. But I didn't like Rex Ryan. There's something about him I just didn't like. I don't know. Well, he's a, you know, he's, he's a cocky, you yeah. know, he's like yeah. a, this is who I am fucking I'll tell you what we're going to do type dude but you know whatever 
but uh yeah long story short i just uh i got the bug and then i got an opportunity to volunteer at like the high school that we lived in you know i raised my kids in river edge new jersey riverdale is the school district and i got an opportunity to like be a volunteer coach at riverdale high school and i just kept learning and learning the game and the head coach there dj is really like was like my mentor and then uh after really diving in and I, you know, I ran the youth football program for like 12 years. I was coaching the middle school team for like eight years. Wow. And, uh, and then I got a call and I got an opportunity to coach at Bergen Catholic high school. So, you know, that's like parochial school, like North Jersey, you know, big time, you know, playing games in California and Florida teams are coming. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so I coached, uh, with this outstanding coach Nunzio Campanile at uh, at Bergen Catholic for for I think four five years, so um, yeah. And then after he you know he wound up leaving Bergen Catholic and got got a job coaching at Rutgers University as the running back. He was actually the interim head coach before they hired uh, Shiano back. Mm. So you know, and when he left, I I uh, I thought you know it was probably best that I leave. And, and still I coach, you know, I, I was the offensive coordinator at West Milford high school last year, uh, you know, with music and the time that it's taking up, I don't think it's fair for me to take on such a big coaching role anymore. So this year I'm going to coach at St. Joe's high school in Montvale, New Jersey. And uh, I'm just going to help my buddy bird out, uh, you know, coaching the freshmen. So I'm dialing it back. I'm dialing it back. You don't have to be like a teacher to do that stuff. Uh, no. Wow. I didn't public know that. School, public school is very difficult to coach. I, you know, I think you, you got to kind of like, you know, I mean, you know, I think the football programs like, Hey, if they, if they can hire a guy that's going to help them win, I think that they're willing, you know, but parochial school football, you really don't have to be a teacher nor do you have to have college credits. Hmm. And that's always been my issue. I, I didn't go to college. My college was, you know, basically playing music, being on the road, learning about life that way and working my balls off for my father, you know, slinging fucking concrete and becoming a man. That was my college education. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't have any college credits. So to be a public high school head coach, you have to have 60 college credits and I don't have any. So. Got you. Got you. But look, it's just like, it's part of my life. It's like something I've loved to do and I was able to do it and I love it. I enjoy it. And, uh, you know, now I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to dial off it a little bit. You know, I've I've been doing it for a long time. And get back deep into the music. And that was my other question earlier. I, I, I asked, uh, you, when you left doggy dog. Yeah. And to be more of the a family guy and do that thing, start yep. the family. What kept you into music? Like, you know, at, well, at- I made the biggest mistake of my life. <laughs> what I made that? the biggest musical mistake of my life. Well, you know, like the thing with doggy dog was, it's not like I did not want to be involved in the band. Like, yes, I couldn't travel and tour, but we always thought that we would, we would like write the next record together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
like the formula really and the chemistry of the people was what made that music right mm-hmm. so you know i i tell a funny story all the time like who's the king the song who's the king i had to beg them to play it i was like i'm telling you it's fuck i'm telling you right like and then fuck you know so you know the reality is I thought the chemistry of the people is what made that music. And I said it before, right? Like it's about the people. If you surround yourself with people that you love, you're and you're open to change and and you know, if you're open to what makes ev- the band or the songs the best they could be, uh I always feel that's the right way to do it and not to like force writing. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure you go through streaks where you're like man, I'm writing all, like, I love this stuff. And then you go through streaks where maybe, like, you're not writing as much. You know, mm-hmm. it cools down on you. So, uh, you know, the reality is that, you know, even Howie and Roadrunner tried to, you know, help work out that I would uh, be a part of writing the follow-up to Allboro Kings. Uh, and it just was not going to work out. You know, the uh, Mopey, the drummer had left. They had a new drummer. The the guy, Mark, basically took over as like, you know, the the actual guitar player to replace me in Doggy Dog, Mark the Baker, who, by the way, played bass in Mucky Pup on the Now record. Like, you know, again, it's all like people who know, know each other for years. And uh, it just, we got together one time and 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 personality wise it was not going to work out it was so obvious. so what was the mistake the biggest mistake i ever made it, it, in terms of music was uh you know i did have uh people and labels offering me like an opportunity to you know for like a record contract to make like what they wanted to be like kind of like kind of like a solo record Mm, you know what i mean and and i think some of it was like oh you know hey you know like this is the you know this is the guy that wrote who's the king this is the guy that you know whatever which was not really the case we were you know yes i the the, those ideas originally came from me but like we wrote you know we did that and and you know it was also the first time that anybody ever offered me money to play music I never made a dime in my life, Richie. Like I never made a dime of publishing off Mucky Pup. I never made a dime of publishing or money off Dog Eat Dog. Uh, I've never, I never, ever, ever made money playing music. Really, I would Every imagine time- Dog Eat Dog had nice advances, no? Nope. Nope. Wow. No, we got no advance. We just got the money to make the record, and then you know whatever they call it cross collateralized you know remember when i told you that guy said if you sell more than 500,000 copies you lose your publishing mm. you know so look i did I, I never played music for money the yeah. monkey pup tours i never made a dime i never got paid i, I don't know where the fuck the money went i figured it went to pay the you know i didn't really care about it but Damn, it i need to be in the band with you yeah <laughs> that shit ain't gonna happen now. but the reality is like, hey, I'm, and we're still losing money playing shows. You know, you got to pay for the trailer. You got to get hotels sometimes. You got to travel. Fucking gas is like $5 a gallon. You know, it's like we're being we're being ass raped. Yeah. You know? So I got 
basically got offered, uh, you know, got offered money to do something that I always loved to do. I did. I never wanted to not play music. I just couldn't commit to being on the road for two years straight. You know, I, I was I was in a spot, you know, where like my wife was pregnant immediately. You know, like we got married. She was pregnant within like a month. Like, you know, I had a baby on the way. Mm -hmm. So one thing I I could do is I could kind of like, you know, make a record and I could maybe tour more like, uh, you know, planned out uh, more on my time. So I did go ahead and I signed a deal with SPV. And uh, I, you know, I signed basically like what I thought was that I would have an opportunity to put a band together. And I realized after like pretty quickly when they were like, okay, we need it in five weeks. We need the tapes in five weeks. It's got to cut. And, you know, it's not, when I look back on it, it was a huge mistake because I was not, I didn't have uh, songs prepared. I, uh, you know, I, I didn't have, you know, the people I was used to writing with. I was kind of on my own and I literally wrote and recorded an entire record with friends coming in and playing guest spots. And this guy plays drums on this song and Booge plays drums on these songs. And this guy does a solo. And, you know, I, I you know, Jimmy, we did, why can't we be friends on, on, on the first record that I did this nasty C record. Uh, it was called trim the fat. And within four and a half weeks, I delivered, I wrote, recorded mixed and and handed the tapes over and it was just by it was just it it, it was just not good okay like oh, to me shit. it was just so the mistake the was right doing that project is that what you're doing saying? it yeah i should have oh, just said okay. hey hey fuck you and i want to put a band together i should have done what i wanted to do which was put a band together call it a, a band name and mm -hmm. then you know take my time and you know and uh, and instead it was like, hey, man, here's the check, Go, you know, like and, you know, and I regret it. I regret it. I didn't I, I did not make. Where can I hear this like, stuff? I'm not familiar with it. Nowhere. I, I, I will. I will not allow it up. anywhere. What? So oh fuck that. Yeah. Get out of here. What's it I called? I swear to God. I'm Google right now. I'll find I'll find the, 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 the original well, files for that. You ain't going to find no original files for that. What was it called? It was my last name, but instead of N-A-S-T-A-S-I, it was because, you know, early on, like all the kids in Europe would call me Nastasi because my my last name is Nastasi, like mm -hmm. Ely Nastasi, like the tennis player, mm. like Nastasi building in the city, you know, Nastasi yeah. building, you know, Aldo, right? Yeah. So that's actually that's actually uh, my second second cousin. Oh, okay. I thought I was uh, a I thought that was a Portuguese guy. Uh, I don't think so. So how do you it's, spell that? The the name of the project? N A S T A S E E. You put me on a spot here, man. I'm not. This is you know. <laughs> well, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know what you were going to answer. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, whatever. Look, I I did the record, and and honestly, we toured like five times for that record. All right, I'm, I'm downloading. I'm downloading. Throw you around right now. Throw you. Throw you around some. Yeah, that's that's horrible. 
No, I'm not downloading. I've just got a list of the. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't see the files yeah. or anything. Yeah, the song. The songs on that record were like music for the people. I made a video with Drew Stone for all over New York City. It was like bigger budget. You know what I mean? Oh, that's. Dope, it was man. back when like there was you know labels would give you money. They sold albums. You know, yeah. it was a different era, and uh, you know, I did a uh, yeah music for the people was like the video. And I did Why Can't We Be Friends? Because me and Jimmy always wanted to do Why Can't We Be Friends with Murphy's Law. They always, we covered it. So we recorded that, uh, a cover version of that. Um, now, check this out. Like, uh, people are always usually their own harshest critic, you know? Yeah. So have you ever, do you run into people and they tell you that that's like their favorite stuff from you? Yeah, just- yeah. Isn't that interesting when it happens, stuff that you don't like at all, and then other people seem to... Yeah, yeah. It's it's usually, you know, like, I'll get messages or whatever, like, yeah, from somebody from Europe or whatever. Somebody will post. So the funny thing was, after I did the first record, uh-huh. uh, and, and and I think I think we went to Europe five times. Like, I'm not kidding. We did, like, a little club run. Then we did a tour opening up for Such a Surge uh, with Carlos Fleischman. Uh, uh, you know Carlos? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, Carlos was really involved, like back early 90s, mid 90s with, you know, Biohazard, Dog Eat Dog. He was like, okay. you know, really big guy in Europe. And, uh, um, but I opened up for this band, Such a Surge, a German band, great tour. It was awesome. I, Booge came, played drums. Sean Kilkenny came and played guitar with me. Uh, we did another, like, you know, in the summer, we did a whole summer festival run. Uh, you know, door festivals when Doc Rock, you know, you, you know how, you know, the cycle, yeah. you know, so uh, it was great. We actually played door festival and actually opened for dog eat dog. Like they, their bus was late. They came in like an hour and a half after I played, you know, so it was great. And then we did a tour opening up for shelter and that was a disaster. Disaster. After like all these great, you know, really good runs. And it was fun to go play live. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Because you could control the set. And I was taking my time and I was writing another record. Like, like properly. And that second record that I recorded never formally came out. Because when I was, when I went out on tour opening up for Shelter. The label came to the i think it was the second show the record was supposed to come out that week the new record and they came to the show and told me that they were dropping me because they were signing motorhead and that's a true story you can see when when motorhead signed to spv and they literally dropped like 15 acts and here i am stuck in europe we were stuck in europe opening up for shelter totally the wrong crowd for us going out playing new songs from the new record that i was actually had worked really hard on uh and you know and that's that was it i I think i actually destroyed like the office in that club and uh and wow like i just like i freaked out and that was it i was like i'm i'm fucking done with this and that was like 1997 and uh and then you know like again i kept playing we did like a little mucky pup European tour, like in, you know, whatever, 2003, like we'd go over, play some festivals, play some shows. So I never really stopped playing. 
you know, me. Okay. Sean so that's Dave. what I was wondering. I was like, you know, did you, was it a cold turkey thing? If so, like novelty shit, you know, gotcha, like we would gotcha. do like a little reunion tour, six dates in Europe. Wow. It's a lot of fun. You know, people, you know, whatever. You satisfy yeah. the itch a little bit. Right. And then we did like, like a one-off record with Century Media. Me, mm-hmm. Sean, Dave, and Booge did a, a record called All Borough Kings just for the fun of it. That was the next thing that that we did. And and that was, you know, we had so much fun making that record. And that is a fucking good record. Like that is, nice. I, I love that record. And, you know, I was drinking then. Like I started drinking again. That was. <laughs> Do you write better when you drink or when you don't drink? No, I never write when I drink. Never, never. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much like, you know, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not straight edge. I mean, I, I drink sometimes, you know what I mean? Like the only thing I ever drink is Jägermeister. I have no interest in drinking. You know, I really don't like beer. You sure? You sure you're not a PA guy? Cause that's like some PA shit. They love that Jägermeister. I love to taste the Jägermeister. I mean, if I see a Jäger bottle, you know, I'm going in. Nice. But that's it. You know, I mean, I don't take, you know, recreational drug. Like, you know, I don't smoke pot. I don't, that's not me. It's just not who I am. You know, you're going to let somebody tell you who you the fuck you should be. You know, you do what you want with your body. These damn so, weed heads everywhere. Bunch of hippies yeah, walking around. Whatever, whatever. You know, I mean, they're taking you know, over I mean, everything. The excuse is it's legal, you know. Yeah, it was but, cooler hey, when look, it wasn't. Whatever. Legal. For each, like, t- like everybody to each his own. Now, as as a father, through. what are, what are your kids smoke weed? Do you throw them a beating or no? I, I think my kid my my kids smoke weed. My what? Son weed. Oh, yeah, what am I gonna no. do? They, fucking men. You grab by his ear, you throw them on the ground. What do you mean? What are you gonna do? Well, I I did that up until a certain age, but you know what? Eventually, a boy's got to become a man and make their own decisions. You know what mm. I mean? So, look, you gotta you gotta pick your battles. You gotta playing be happy. video games all day. These people, come on. Yeah, that's another problem. Oh. Video games and cell phones have destroyed this country. Can't I mean? You, this is the thing: graduate high school, go to fucking trade school, become a plumber or an electrician. You'll never in your life need money. You will have a job for the rest of your life because nobody wants to work with their hands anymore. I mean, I was raised to work like a dog, like. You know, I know hard work, mm-hmm. but that was our generation. Like, we all know hard work. Like, we know what it's like to have to. Today's kids, I really feel like their parents just kind of coddle them, do whatever that, you know, like. You see, Generation different. X was the last of of the thick skin, tough generation, because after that, the kids were being raised by ex-hippies. And then mm-hmm. they just, they destroyed everything. They destroyed ex hippies. Right. Well, you know, yeah, the parents were like hippies at one time. So, you know, to get the kids on every prescription yeah. they could get, yeah. don't worry about this. Curse me out at the supermarket in front of everybody. It's okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. Is it okay I if I give you that. this to eat tonight? Is it okay if if we go out? It's like uh, you're asking yeah, your yeah, kid yeah, for yeah. permission. Too many choices. Yeah. Too many choices. You're right. Ch- you're Charlie, right. is it okay if we make hot dogs for dinner? It, you're asking your kid if it's okay. What kind of shit is this? I'll tell you. I'll tell you something else. I, I, I might be crazy, but my oldest son's 27 years old, mm-hmm. and he was not raised to be, uh, like he was, uh, still the generation of kids 
that they came home from school, they went to the park, they played mm. basketball, they played baseball, right? Like, mm. I swear to God. And he is has a good work ethic. He wakes up, he fucking goes to work, right? He works for the state, uh, the state of Massachusetts in youth corrections. Mm. I don't ever have to worry about him getting up and showing up to work, okay? And I swear to God, that age, a year or two later, all, all those kids, to me, they're all, if you're 24 or 25 right now, you're all video game junkies. And it's a different mentality. Like, mm. I really feel that if you were born in 93, 94, 95, a lot of those kids have a work ethic that the kids born in 97, 98 maybe don't have. Mm, that's, that's the cutoff. That's, I don't know, man, but that makes experience, sense. Like, I, I, and now with these young kids, these these TikTok turds and all of this shit, it's like, come on. Dang, I, I'm just randomly yeah. driving. I see two kids on the corner doing a synchronized dance, looking at something, leaning on a tree. It's their cell phone. It's like, oh, geez, what yeah. is going on? I mean, on? look, social media is like, it's part of the gig, man. I mean, look, I'm learning, like we're learning too, like our band. Like, I, I don't, I'm going to, I'll be the first one to tell you. I have no idea what I'm doing on social. No idea. I can't sync up through an app music and i can't even like post a story and put music behind it i gotta like share what somebody else did you know like mm. it's it's just it's not look i know it's the way the world works now but like it's not i'm not massively interested in in it you know like of course we have to post things shows you know pre-sales you know like you know oh but you know i gotta mention obviously by the way that like um you know, the, the EP. Yeah. And, uh, and, and obviously the pre-sales, I think the pre-sales with the jacket or the shirt is ending this weekend. You know what I mean? But, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. stop uh, destroying these kids, these poor nerds out there. And let's talk more about the new newest record. The only and, thing worse than, than the new nerds is when you see a band and you can't read their fucking name. If I can't read the band name, I'm out. You talk about like death metal type stuff, metalcore, whatever know. it is. I, I, I just don't know. It's just, you know, and it's a shame because maybe, maybe I'm missing out on some really good shit. Nah, it's garbage. If it looks like that, it's garbage. Forget it. You might but, have a good riff here or there. As soon as the vocals kick in, it's like, it's like a, it's a comedy. Well, if it's like, you know, if you can't understand the vocals, then I'm, I'm out. And now you got hardcore bands that sound like a death metal band. It's, they're saying they're hardcore. Go into your own scene and play a show. What are you doing over here? Imagine imagine me showing up with Wisdom of Chains and saying, no, no, we're a death metal band. Uh, no, you're not. We could hear you. Like, All what, I would what's say going? is if nobody understands what you're saying, there's no message and there's no unity. There's no understanding. Like, the, you know, the great thing about hardcore music or if it's whatever people want to say, it's, you know, punk rock, hardcore, uh, hardcore metal, I, whatever the category is. The guys on the stage are the same as the people in the audience. All there for the same reason. And once you can't understand a word that somebody's saying, to me, musically, that's lost. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I personally, my personal opinion is that I, I I just can't enjoy it. And the shame is that some of the music is, is fucking, you know, is slamming. 
Yeah, uh, some some of the skills out there are pretty impressive. On guitars, yeah, a lot of drummers great nowadays. And listen, yeah. there's a lot of great new bands too. I mean, there's like I in hardcore, like in in hardcore, in the scene. Oh, who, fuck who, who I, name me I'll some? I'll tell you one thing. I, who are some I, of your I, current, I, current faves? Well, my one of my absolute one of my real favorites that really just don't play a lot, but I fucking love them is Regulate. Mm, dope band. I yeah. love Regulate, man. That's like that's unbelievable to me. Uh, you know, like now I check only- this out. Let me put it like this: Regulate. Let's say Regulate was around in '93. Oh my god, dude! They'd be the that? band, right? The they, band. What they- if Mind Mind Force? Is already blowing up. Like they're already yeah. doing great. That's but what that I'm saying. Like there's killer. so many dope things right now that any one of these bands that are doing well right now, but they're kind of under the radar just because there's so many options and there's so much new material. Yeah. If, if these bands were around, this new Gridiron band that just released something a few weeks yeah. back for P- that, like first of all, the record sounds incredible. Great production. Great production. The trench. I mean, that shit is unbelievable like i enjoy it's part of my playlist yeah you know what i mean i enjoy it uh, the other band is the band that you know the other you're working with carried by six right yeah carried by six man yeah that e- what are you re-releasing the ep that came out because i was already on that a little bit that song eternity uh the song i like a lot is that song changes mm. you yeah, they they're writing new stuff right now and uh, the plan is they're going to do a split seven inch at some point, I believe. But they're, yeah, they're always working on stuff. They just played, I think, uh, two days ago. Their singer is an absolute maniac. He's a good guy, though. And uh, yeah. the guitar player is, uh, I used to be in a band with him, Mushmouth. And he spent Mushmouth, time, yeah. yeah, he was from Mushmouth. He was in Crutch with us. He was Holy a box shit. cutter. Oh, fuck. I didn't and know that. He's the owner of the club Reverb in PA. That's Chris. Holy shit. The other That's guitar player, is, yeah. The other <laughs> guitar player, Kyle. He was in um, Lifeless, which is a dope band. Check out yeah. old, old. There's a couple bands, Lifeless, but the one from Delaware and Pennsylvania and Jersey that they, that was a yeah, really. I, good I, band. I've heard you and Joe both talking about them. Yeah, Lifeless is good, and uh, the drummer was in that band, uh, Trail of Lies, up in he's from Syracuse. Uh, so yeah, Carried by Six is a thick, uh, a thick yeah, junction. Man. But they got new stuff yeah. coming out. There's so many, like yeah, we're new- saying, there's so many acts. There's so many dope bands. It's just, it's hard to keep track. But it is. It regulating is. And, and you know in what? 1995, yo, they're the shit. Oh like this. I do the shit right now. Yeah. yeah. You're the night. Fucking great. Yeah. Still, yeah. like, Death Before Dishonor. Like, their late, I think their their last record is their best record. Yeah. I think so, too. A lot of people never feel that way about music, but. Good well, bands, I, I, I think, keep on getting better. You know, look, I love Victim in Pain. Yeah, it's I cool. Love, it's dope. It's, it's like a, a moment in time for sure. But I don't care what anybody says. Get Loud is a fucking great record. It is. It's dope. And it's but, a shame it came out right before COVID. Same shit. But you know what? You got buried. Dude, that is a fucking great record. Um. You know, the, uh, I, you know, look, I love Just Look Around is built to last. Fuck it. Those records are unbelievable. But like to me, like Last Act of Defiance is a com- like, you know, those records, there's so few records that are like the perfect record, mm-hmm. right? 
Like that is to me, top to bottom, like one of the best records of the last 20 years. You know what I mean? But again, like this is my opinion. Yeah. You, know, you have one too. The God Rhythm. I, I love your last record, but the God Rhythm is a mat like top down. The whole thing is uh is just a masterpiece to me. It's wow, like born you. to expire. It's the same thing to me. You know what I'm saying? It's like uh you know the fucking appreciate that. Record. I don't hear I don't hear much about that that album, so I appreciate that. The God Rhythm? Yeah, I mean, me, I, I'm not big on the guy. I, I don't, it's not my least favorite of the albums, but it's, it's maybe in the middle, but, uh, no, I like, I like when people name something that I overlook myself, you know, that's, that's cool. It starts off like, you know, people die. like the, the whole thing is like, to me again, to me, but like, I'll be also, I've told you, like, I'm the first one to tell you, like I'm late to the party. The mm -hmm. first time I saw wisdom in chains was when we played, I was, I played that show with leeway. I was playing with Leeway. That was because, you know, I, you know, I've wrote a couple songs with Eddie um, that I'm your pusher song. And mm -hmm. I was playing some shows with Eddie Sutton. And we played that show in PA in Philadelphia. Oh, got moved. the snowstorm, the snowstorm. It got moved. Mad wow. Ball. I can't believe anybody Wisdom even showed up to that show. It was packed. Yeah, it was packed, but it was a it was rough. Packed. It was a rough ride. I remember going down. I'm like, this might be a mistake. Yeah. It was rough for us, too. But the reality is that was the first time that I saw or heard Wisdom and Chains. Oh, OK, nice. So for me, it was like it was like a gift. Like, first of all, I was embarrassed that I had never heard Wisdom and Chains before. Right. And we're talking like five or six years ago now. But the reality was for me, it was like a gift because, boom, I had like a catalog of four albums that I could five albums. That was right when Someday came out. You know, right when your last record probably just was dropping, you did. Yeah, the I think it was. Yep. Right. So I literally turned around. I think it was to Eddie or uh, maybe it was. To, and I was like, how? What the fuck? Like, it was to me, it was just incredible. Like, you know, like it blew me away. But it was also like a gift because now I had access to a new band, like something that I really enjoyed. And that mm. is the beautiful thing about like music, like, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, it's cool when you get into a band and like, it's totally new to you. Then you look into it. You're like, wait a minute. These guys got five albums. Oh, right. wow. And like, I'm this is going to, my, my whole week is, is, is set now. I'm going to check out everything. Yeah. It's, it's kind of cool though. A absolutely. And it's not just cause I'm saying like, you know, regulate, I found and I was like, oh, my God, like, how is this not the, you know, and I, I, I we played, uh, I played a couple shows with them with Lee Wave and they fucking kill it. Yeah. You know, Sebastian is just a absolute wow, man. He is unbelievable, you know, um, and, you know, but that's like, that's the thing, right? Like, we all find something that we really love. We find a new band to us that we love. Same thing with Terra. I was like late to the party with Terra, right? Um, mm. I like stumbled upon Keepers of the Faith. And I was like, what the fuck? This is like the fuck. And it's just been, you know, we, we talked, you know, we, we text like Total Retaliation is another record. Top to bottom. It's it's like the per it's a perfect album to me. Yeah. Perfect album. 
to me. This new record might be, it's like 18 minutes long. It is different. It's so much, it's harder. It's like, you know, more, like more violent in the grip, but like the songs are beautifully written, man. It's like, it's I'm, a statement, I'm so, definitely. Oh man, I'm so happy and like grateful that like there's music that I love to listen to. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. I essentially only listen to heavier, more aggressive. Basically, I, I only really listen to hardcore music. It's like the only music I really enjoy listening to. See, I like that because um, a lot everybody likes to get off. The, I, don't, I don't even listen to hardcore. Music. They get the fuck out of here if you ain't listening to it. The fuck you either don't. That or just, either that or they're just lying. Yeah. yeah, they like to be smart. They want to tell you know, us about some weird old band from yeah. the 60s yeah. that they listen to. Nobody cares. Listen to hardcore. Be quiet. You know, I talk yeah. to these kids. Yeah. They're in a hardcore band, but they don't listen to hardcore. Get the fuck out. Find something else to do. <laughs> happens a lot, though, right? But let's talk uh, about guess, the latest I thing. Guess. Let's talk about the yeah. newest release because. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and again, all, like mass, huge thank you. Like it, we wouldn't. We wouldn't have been able to get this EP out and get music out if it wasn't for you and Tim. And, you know, I want to thank you, Tim, Soda, everybody. Oh, no problem. Break. How's Tim treating you right? Oh, Tim's great, man. Uh, Tim's great. Very, very, like, he's all you know, business sometimes. Sometimes people are like, geez, lighten up, yeah. Tim, will you? You know? Well, I mean, look, it, you know, like it is a business. You know what I mean? Like you, you got to fucking try to sell units, you know, like, but again, it all goes back to, uh, the hardest part is getting people to take the time to actually listen. Yeah. And, you know, things are different now. It's like, you know, you got to release a song with a lyric video and then, you know, another song right before it's going to actually come out. And, you know, it's so for us, it was like, you know, we never really, you know, we, we recorded 15. So we have 15 songs recorded. Mm -hmm. So we have enough for more than a record. Because our songs aren't, you know, some of them are like two minutes, but some are like four minutes, you know, they are whatever they turn out to be. And, you know, we knew we like we got to get music out. We got to get music out. We have it recorded. We have it mixed, you know, pretty much final mix. Like and and we never really went out and shopped the record. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. But, you know, we did start to like let some people within the industry listen to it and the fact is that it became really evident that it, it was like one you know we don't want to get like locked into like a record deal unless it makes sense for everybody you know what i mean like you know i know there's like such a thing as 360 deals now or like you know that's not going to happen like you know not, like you know we just we can't do that right and the other thing is when you start a new band, you don't deserve to get this unbelievable record deal. You know what I mean? Like, I view it like, well, who the fuck are you? Why should you, you know, like those days are over. So <clears throat> me and Danny and, 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 and Larry, like we all really kind of agree that like, you know, we need to like, we need to really start over and we need to like start to build an organic following. You know what I mean? And the way to do that is, you know, probably not get locked into like what might be, a, you know, maybe not the right deal for us. You know what I mean? Right now, 
mm-hmm. and, 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 and maybe build some, maybe earn some that, va- like earn it. You know, that's, that's life, right? You got to earn it. Like the you end of Forrest I mean? Gump, right? Remember that scene? <laughs> earn this. He says, earn this. You're right, though. It's things are different. So it's it's and and currently it's even different. more different than they were a year or two ago, and and something is, will change again. Definitely. But it's like you you know we we talked about it a million times the problems with pressing right now, and it's just the, the yeah. length it takes. So if you're right. a musician, which you guys are, and you got you got dozens of songs, and then somebody tells you, okay, we could put this out, but you know, maybe about eight months from now, it'll be out. You're kind of like, yeah, vinyl. man. Yeah. yeah. It's, and vinyl yeah. is like the only, it, it, it bar- that barely sells, but it's the only thing that does sell. Like, you know, and when yeah. I say barely sell, it sells decent. You could sell vinyl will do all right, but not like sales used to be for, you know, for things. Yeah. So yeah. as far I mean, as physical, about yeah, about downloads, like it's, that, a, it's about downloads. Like- and it's about, if you're a band that produces a lot, it's about getting it out when it's out, it's out. And, Post it right. up and, and that's up one and... thing that I feel like we like we have that because we're releasing this four song EP, right? It's coming out, you know, digitally, little by little. The first song rallies out. Um, you know, I'll tell you right now, like that song's only been out for like two, two, three weeks. And the last two shows we just played, I I see like I know people have heard, like I you're you know, like there's a reaction. Yeah. And that when you make music, all you're looking for is that reaction. Like that is what it's it's the reason that you do it. So for us, you know, we're willing to 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 hit the road. We're willing to play shows. We're grateful. You know, uh cousin Joe, everybody at Black and Blue, like, you know, they put us on at the black and blue ball. Uh like the day basically that the first song we've released in two and a half years came out, like we're so grateful that we were, that we were given the opportunity. We're like grateful. We don't care that we, that we went on at two, two 30 in the afternoon on Sunday. Like we don't give a shit. We're grateful, we, but it's not bullshit. We really are grateful. You know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Joe, you know, and, Everybody at Philly Hardcore shows like putting us on This Is Hardcore Thursday. I we don't like we're so grateful for the opportunity. We don't, you know, we don't think we we deserve anything more ever. We're just happy to play. And the reason is that we, you know, again, we've talked about like we really love what we're doing. So I'm grateful. And and you know what? When people I believe that like people will find the music and when they find it, if they dig it, it things will grow like it will happen. But it's not going to happen if you're not committed to doing it. It's not going to happen if you start a band and you get a little hot and then you break up and then you're on to the next band. And, then you know, like, you know, not, we're not in a position to do that. We're doing this really because we love what we're doing. and you know, let's face it. Like I'm not a, I'm not a kid anymore. You know, like our, you know, Dylan is, is much younger than us. You know, Dylan's like early forties, you know, and and Jay is younger than us, but like me and Danny, like, you know, we're, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 48. How about we go with that? Is that a good number? I like it. 
I'm 48. That's what we're going to go. But you, you know, know what I, I like, but, I like the attitude you got, you know, like just thankful this and that, but fuck that. We got guys in this band from Doggy Dog, from Biohazard, from Murphy's Law. Put them on the show. They deserve that show. Put them on there. Do the right thing. And then when well, they're on there, you see that you did the right thing by putting them on in the first place. Yeah. That's, that's hey, what listen, I said. We, <laughs> I appreciate that. But the fact is that, you know, no, yes, it. people, like a lot of people have really been gracious and helped us out. And, and put us on maybe some stuff that we absolutely know that we didn't deserve to be on yet. But now that we have music coming out, right. And we're not going to like pour out who we are. Like we, the, the bottom line is, you know, maybe nobody gives a shit what you did 25 years ago or 20 years ago. You know, like it's possible. Like it's, it's okay. Like this Kings never die. Sounds nothing like doggy dog. Sounds nothing like biohazard. It's its own thing. It's not, you know, if you want to listen to a biohazard record, don't listen to King. Like, you know, we don't sound like that. You know, I really believe it's like it's our own uh, formula. And it, it's a product of like what what we love musically and 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 the fact that we love to do it. So, you know, if. You know, things, you know, t- you know, it take off, whatever. I mean, what, what does that mean? Like, we're not going anywhere. Like we're gonna do this, so uh, we enjoy doing it. It's an unbelievable opportunity to, you know, get this EP out. Uh, you know, I love the EP, and it's awesome that at any time we could release a full length record. Like we have it done and ready to go. Dope. And you know, there's not a song that we've recorded that I'm not proud of. And you know, look. I don't know if that's the case all the time. Like, I think people sometimes do release shit that maybe they're not so proud of. And I've I've made that mistake before. And I'm never going to make that mistake again. And, you know, Danny's certainly not going to not not going to do anything that he doesn't love to do, nor is Larry and and nor is Dylan or Jay. Like, you know, this is like, you know, it's like our baby. Like we, you know, we love what we're doing. And that matters. And I don't care if it's a young band, if you got, you know, 18 year old kids, you've got to do what you love. And that's it. Like, that's the secret of life. You know, like our fathers told us, you know, do what you love. You'll never work a day in your life. Well, you know, I'm not a rich guy. I'm not wealthy. I got to work my balls off to pay my mortgage, you know, to somehow me and my wife have found a way to raise our kids. And, you know, but we work you know, we're hardworking people. And that's something uh, that, you know, you could learn through hardcore music or just music in general, is that nothing is going to be handed to you in life. So if you want it, you got to go get it. And it doesn't matter if you're 18 or 48 or 50 or 40. It does The age does not matter. And I don't think people really give a shit. If the guys in the band, if this guy's 50, this guy's 41, like, I don't think they really care. It's like, does the music, do you dig it or not? You know what I mean? Yeah, man, definitely. Well, yo, give us the lowdown of the latest release, any information and how they could hear it and get whatever they need to get. Yeah. Just go to, I mean, just go to fastbreakrecords.com to pre-order the CD. Uh, and, you know, I know, you know, we're, working on vinyl 
uh, we're working on it. But for right now, to get it out in in the unbelievable time frame that you guys like push to get it out is like, I mean, that's like a gift from God. So it's digital and CD. And if you pre-order, you can order like the Carhartt jacket with it or, you know, like bundles, T-shirt and the CD. Uh, that's in the U.S. Uh, right now, it's Cortex Records, obviously, in Europe. So if you're from Europe, go to Cortex Records. You can pre-order it there. Um, and, you know, we're just we're just playing like every other day. We have another show. We just played two shows, the Chance Theater and the North Jersey show. Uh, today is what? Wednesday? Uh, yeah. No, is it okay. Wednesday? I don't know. Yeah, yeah Wednesday. Wednesday. Yep. So, so you know, this will be out. God knows. It doesn't doesn't even matter. But, like, you know, we're playing the Stone Pony, us, Dog Eat Dog, and Life of Agony. And we're playing Warsaw in Brooklyn on Friday. Same bill. And When is uh, Stone Pony? Stone Pony's tomorrow night. Damn, I wonder if I could get there. Yeah, let me know, man. We'll hook you up, of course. Yeah. yeah, that'd be awesome. You know? I mean, I'm sure it's going to be like, doors open. You're up. You know, but like, again, like, who the fuck cares? Like, it's awesome to be able to play. No it's doubt, baby. Awesome. It's rock and roll, baby. Yeah, it's killer. It's killer. And then uh, June 9th, we're playing. This is something that's really important to me is uh, is Brick City Rescue and uh, and essentially the Pitbulls. You know, it's like it's mm. it's a cause that I'm like really passionate about. Uh, me and my wife have a pit mix. Uh, you know, we we uh, adopted uh, our our little pit is Larry Mullen Jr. Because oh, nice. my wife is a massive U2 fan. Our, our, our other dog was Dublin. You know, it's everything about U2. But um, it's like I'm, I'm telling you, Rich, like the work that Brick City Rescue in particular and J.J. Riffey. Uh, and Tanya from Brick City Rescue, like what what these people do for these animals, right? And these are like amongst the most intelligent, gentlest dogs in the world. If you raise them to be that, Mm -hmm. okay? And this is like a total non-for-profit run out of people's houses. They are fostering dogs. Like, you know, I've gone myself. I went uh, went about three weeks ago. I just dropped off two more big bags of science diet like anything people can do uh just go to brickcityrescue.com um and you know get involved you know what i mean like because these dogs are you know not always treated so well a lot of them are bred for fighting a lot of them are bred and you know beaten fucking ears are clipped like it's really it's just something that i'm passionate about but but they jj's put on uh, the hardcore for pits event for four years. So we've played the last two hardcore for pits events. Uh, the last one was at the crossroads. Um, and it was supposed to be Murphy's law, doggy dog and Kings never die. The ice cold killers, um, damage done. That's, uh, Dave Franklin. Um, and Murphy's law had to cancel because, Mm -hmm. I think maybe somebody got COVID or something. Jimmy hate dogs. What's going on? No, Jimmy. Jimmy has played every single hardcore for pits event. Okay. No questions asked. And like, 
you got to hand it to him. Like, you know, like the guy is there when people need him, he's there. And, you know, there's no better frontman entertainer than Jimmy, than Jimmy Drescher, you know, nobody. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm indebted to the guy for teaching me about life years and years and years ago, like spending time with him. It's incredible, but yeah, um, I can't beg him to get on his podcast though. The guy won't do it. Jimmy, I, come I, on. I can't speak. I can't speak for that. He always says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he disappears. I don't know. Well, you know, know how these, you know how these New York got, guys are, you know, got to stay on top of his health. You know, he's got some issues that he's been dealing with as well, but yeah, I just like, to I don't know, him. but the reality is they had to cancel the last event. So what they're doing, and that was hardcore for pits four. So there's a new, there's hardcore for pits 4.5 and that's Thursday, June 9th at crossroads. It's like in central Jersey, it's accessible. Like a- anybody from anywhere can get there. You know what I mean? So that's going to be uh, Murphy's law. Uh, another really good band. Silence equals death. Uh, we're playing the ice cold killers are playing damage done is playing. Um, really like you know a a, a super uh, uh south class veterans are playing it's like five six bands and murphy's law obviously is the headliners so we're doing that and then we got a run we're going we're going to go down and play like dc baltimore with sworn enemy we got we got a weekend a little run plan with sworn enemy i think that's like june 24th 25th of course you know we're honored to play the pre-show Thursday night at This Is Hardcore. Uh, and then we're going to finish up. We're going to play one show in New York City at the Bowery with Sub-Zero. Um, we're going to do one show, you know, before August, which is, you know, August is going to be, you know, guys going to go on family vacations and whatever. So, you know, we're grateful, like, for the opportunities that we have to play. You know what I mean? And then, you know, the EP will be out. July 1st, the whole EP digitally will be there. Have you heard the song that we did with, with, uh, with Joe? No, I don't think I did. Dude, the song is called good times and the bad. And it, he, he crushed it. It is, it's my favorite song on, on the EP by far. Did he record with you guys or did he like send it in? No. No, we got to get, you know, I got that buddy out there, Dave. Rice. Oh, that's right. Okay. I remember when that it happened. Has, yeah. Rock hard studios is right in. That's East right. Rousley. I remember that. Yep. And it's like a little spot and Dave helped us out when we recorded years ago, three years ago, he, we went out there, we spent like two or three days and recorded like 14 songs, which wound up just being the first EP, you know, the raise a glass EP. So, um, you know, that was like the most convenient thing for Joe. So me and Danny went out there and uh, really Danny and, and Joe did it. And I, I got there. I got stuck in traffic, but uh, it was it was great, man. And and it wasn't just, hey, do these lot like literally he took the song and he rewrote the lyrics and he really took the song and made it uh, made it great. I think I think, yeah, Joe's you know. clever with the lyrics. It's good. That's good absolutely incredible so the song's called good times and the bad and he like crushes it and i i love i mean you know like i i love when when we had the song i said to them like oh my god like this would be awesome if, like if jotham sang on this this would just be like and he was like let me call him 
And Beautiful. like, unbelievable that that he actually took the time to do it. We're like, you know, super grateful. But his voice and, and Dylan's voice sound really good together on the track. You know, so I, I really dig that. Uh, you know, and, and, and look, that's about it. Like, you know, the EP is the song Rally that came out. The next song is called Side by Side. And we're, we're trying to finish the filming of that video. So we're going to put a video out for that song. And there's another song called What You're Made Of, which is maybe a little bit more of just the straight up like hardcore song. Uh, I, I love the groove of that song. Good Times in the Bad is another like, you know, tempo up and down like type song, you know, and whatever. Like you don't want to buy it. Download it like. The goal is just to try to get people to, to give it a listen and see if they dig it or not. You know what I mean? No doubt. That's all you could do. What else can we ask for? What else can we ask for? All you right, know? Danny. Well, yo, beautiful thing. And uh, now that people know where they got to go, what they got to listen to, check it out. And anything you want to say uh, before we, we yeah, uh, end it? Yeah. You, you don't know until you know. You know That's what I mean? It. Nothing. Just, you know, whatever. Hit us up. Instagram is really what we kind of use is uh, it's just Kings underscore never underscore die underscore official Kings never die official with underscores because I got the you know, I got the loop de loop done to me. I got conned. I got hacked. That's going uh, around right now. Yeah, but I mean, like Richie was me. I was so dumb. I got a message. And the guy says, hey, I got some offers for you. And I looked at his page and it looked like a show promoter from Germany. Like it looked like a European, like it was all presents, you know, and you got to be super careful. He's like, hey, shoot me your email. I'll email you over the folder. And I, Richie, the second I hit the link, (laughs) I knew it. Oh, my God. And the other thing with social media is like, we just, I took a totally different approach. You know what I mean? Like basically everybody that, 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 that asked to follow us, we pretty much follow everybody else back. Like I'm, you know, I I don't have like, I'm not a social media dude. We lost our Instagram. We had almost like, you know, whatever, like 2000 followers, it's all gone. So we had to restart our Instagram two months ago. And I was like, you know what? Dude, like we're grateful for anybody that follows us or checks us out. So pretty much, I I think I almost just follow everybody else back. And, you know, it's like that social media is almost like a full-time job keeping up. You know what I mean? I like that you do that. I hate when I see hardcore bands that don't follow anybody. Well, I mean, look, guys can do whatever they want. There's a lot of bands that are really big. And I understand, like, you don't want to be like pestered, you know, like, but for us, it's about like meeting people, the, like the unity and community and connecting. And you can't connect with people if you're not willing to correspond and talk. And, and since I took or we took this different approach, so, so social media wise, I mean, there's way more people that like, you know, it's, it's, it's nice. I like when somebody sends a message or, you know, I dig it. It's like it makes you feel like what you're doing is, uh, you know, like people appreciate it. And so, you know, look, it's also because, you know, we lost our Instagram. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not I'm bullshitting anybody. But the reality is, you know what? It's it's cool, man. It's cool. 
you know, like try to keep people up to date with what we're doing. Uh, we do have a website that we are just about to like totally revamp and update. Uh, you know, it's just kingsneverdieofficial.com. The Instagram is kingsneverdieofficial uh, with underscores. Facebook is kingsneverdieband. But that's about it. Like, we don't do like, what's that TikTok or whatever the fuck that is? Or... Yeah, nobody does that shit. Little kids. What's the other thing? Twitch? <laughs> I don't know. I don't follow this garbage. You know, I like Instagram. Me. Instagram's cool. Pictures are cool. I yeah. like Facebook. Facebook, I, I I get it. It's cool. Yeah. Twitter, you know, the, fuck the, that shit. Twitter's corny. I don't, uh, I don't have Twitter. Oh, I, mean, I don't, dude, look, don't even bother. I, I, for I, nerds. I heard the new thing is bands are like no social media. That's like a new thing. That's what I heard. Oh, that's cool. I mean, Most, I don't know how anybody would ever find out, but you wouldn't know anything either. Like, you know. It's crazy. This TikTok, man. I know there's people that just literally sit up at night and just scroll, like just watch TikToks. Yeah. But the cool thing about TikTok, and I don't have it, but my wife loves it. And my buddy the other day was like, check this out. I didn't know that you could search certain content. Like you could search hardcore band or big game fishing. Like I love those fishing shows, you know? Mm. You ever, you know, oh, like when they're, do you see that new Deadliest Catch? The 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 son of the uh, Cornelia Marie guy, they're catching like massive tuna down oh, in shit. Hawaii. Yeah, like, so, you know, I like search like big game fishing, shark fishing, uh, you know, whatever, uh, uh, crazy football play. Like TikTok, you could search what you want to look at, the reels. Mm -hmm. I'm just learning this. I'm learning it. I'm not acting like I know what I'm talking about. I'm, but I thought that was pretty cool. That's cool. I don't I don't know too much yeah. about it, but uh I thought it was like a, my niece has TikTok. I know she uses that stuff. But yeah. I know I've been showed stuff on there that's cool. It's entertaining. I like it all. Like people that are like, I'm yeah. off social media now, I'm done with it, I'm tired of it. Oh, loosen up. And just enjoy it and fucking if you don't enjoy it, yeah. don't bother you. Don't need to announce yeah. to everybody. Listen, like it, it is it, it is an information source. Like it's it's a place where you can find out what's going on if you want to be getting on. Like if you want to do things, where else are you gonna know what's up? You know what I mean? Mm, like exactly. there's no fucking uh there's no magazines anymore. There's no going to get the aquarium or whatever it is to see the shows. You know, I used to wait, grab the aquarium, holy shit, rock hotel presents, you know, very useful tool, yeah. Over. It was, a it good was tool. that was the only way. Lamore, mm. we're going. Fuck it, you know whatever. Like now, it's it's social. You know, it's it's uh, it's Instagram, it's Facebook, it's whatever. Of so course, when's, and it uh, works. It works. When's Wisdom and Chains? When you gonna you gonna do a tour? Uh, no, we don't have any tours. We have. Uh, you this need is an opening band booked. for a tour. You need an opening band. Uh, we don't. We don't tour. We're <laughs> shot. Our days, and we'll probably play. Uh, you know. One more, killing me. maybe two more times this year, maybe, maybe one or twice. Come next on, year. man. Our Let's singer go. shot. He's over it. You don't, you can't beg the guy to do anything. You talk about writing songs. I, I, we got a guy that has over 100 songs of music to choose from. Not even kidding. And we can't get one. We can't get one. I'd like to hear some of that. Yeah. If you ever want to hey, hear man. it, just, you know, I, 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 I thought, I thought the Z nine was fucking great, man. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. We yeah. got a lot of At new Z nines active. I mean, we're going to, we got, we got about, you know, I got about 12 jams with that. And I got another project awesome. that I got. Play. Z9, ah, yeah, I don't know if I could do Dude, it live, do to be it. honest. I don't you even do it. Like, I never, uh, I recorded when all I those songs sitting it. down. That's one weird thing. Rich, I never, when I first heard the Z9, you didn't say anything about, like, hey, this is me sitting. I didn't know who the singer was at first. Nice. I nice. didn't know it was you. You thought it was Pavarotti. I didn't know who it was, but I was like, man, this is fucking deep. Like, you know, it, it 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 it's got a different you know I, I really think it has a different sound it's different than wisdom and chains but really good man we don't come in pieces really good fucking song like, I, I i dug it man i think it's great thank you i appreciate I think people, that i think people should go out and buy it that's what i think go get it yeah <laughs> uh, go look it up at least. just steal it just i don't think there's it. anything to get anymore it's like the, there was only a handful of uh physical copies made so now it's just online you know it's yeah, uh yeah. itunes or All right. apple well, music you know, whatever that look, shit. every every thousand down you know every thousand listens you make 25 cents so you're good yeah yeah we're doing good <laughs> now i'm always writing stuff though i got a ton of music i'll send you some but uh Wisdom would we'll do a couple of things here and there. We'll get together at some point, hopefully. Yeah, man. The park show was like fucking great. Loved it. I love the baby and the earphones with the with the thing. That was awesome. The baby loves loud events, I noticed. I took her to the St. Paddy's Day parade. She was yeah. slept slept right through the whole thing. The fire engines going rah, rah, with the air horn. She's not even waking up. I'm like, this kid's crazy. Did you have the big headphones on? There? No, I just had her head covered like in uh like with a blanket thing, yeah, kind of yeah. a little tent. Hey man, you got to train them young. Got to train. Yeah. Them young. Listen, this is my thing. I had a baby. Now the baby is going to adapt to my life. You know what I'm saying? Like some people have a baby. Now they oh, the baby sleeping there. Be quiet in the whole house. Shut the. It's only five thirty p.m. Shut every light off and whisper. Get out of here. Yeah. This baby's gonna yeah. get used to normal stuff. Yeah. Look, but that's that's humans adapt to whatever the surroundings are. We just gotta yeah. like stop exactly. fucking holding everybody's hand. And, oh my god! I'm just waiting for her to get to I... elementary school so the teacher could tell me if it's a boy or a girl, and then we'll figure it all out from there. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome, man! It's no, awesome. No. Enjoy it. Enjoy it, both of you. Thank it's you, like, my friend. We are. We are. A gift, them. gift from God, man. A healthy child is a gift from God. Yeah, for I'm real. not like a crazy spiritual dude, you know, but. You know, it's uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, health beautiful. is everything, no doubt. Fuck All right, yeah. my brother. Listen, I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, yeah, of course. I don't know. I, if, I, I, I'm gonna try to come Thursday, but it might not happen. But if I do, I'll see you there. If not, tell everybody I said what's up. Of course, man. Just uh, you know, if you're gonna swing, if you're gonna roll through, let me know, and you know, we'll make sure that we you know take care of it. I appreciate that. Thank you, man. All right. And listen, man, thank you so much. You know, just I mean, it's always fun to just bullshit, but like just for the opportunity and the podcast, it's it's really Anytime. Appreciated. You ever got something to talk yeah. about or you just bored with push record. That's it. Yeah. All right, it ain't homie. that easy, man. It ain't that easy. I know. What are you going to do? But awesome, man. Peace. All right, we'll talk soon. I Peace. Appreciate it. Say what's up to everybody. We'll do. Bye bye. All right. Kill it. Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. 
Post America Podcast will always be there for you. Don't forget that. Tune in next time for more fun with the boys. Until then, get your fucking ass out of here before I give you a smack, motherfucker. Who the fuck you think you in? This is Post America. You ain't shit, motherfucker.